0: You are tuning in with 101 with Tommy Zam. On the fifth episode, we are sitting down with Ryan Langhorn talking about skateboarding and life. Let's do this. What up Langhorn?
1: Yo. Finally got it, huh? Yeah, I was trying to do like a speakerphone thing, and it, it wasn't playing out, so I just did the default, but it's still speakerphone, so same shit. Same shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to try to do it off the off the wife internet, you know what I mean? Like do it off the computer side if it didn't work, you know?
1: Yeah, we got it, though. It's all good. We got it,
0: dude. What's up, Langhorn? <laughs> How you doing?
1: Yeah. I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just freaking trying to enjoy this COVID life.
0: <laughs> well, let's get into it, man. Well, let's tell the audience uh, a little bit about you. Like, tell us who you are and what you do and why, why are you so important on this uh, this uh, podcast
1: today? <laughs> well, I'm going to downplay my importance, but <laughs> um, yeah, Ryan Langhorn, I've been... I've been in the the skate scene for what I don't know. Shoot, I'm 46 years old, so that goes. I started skating when I was eight. Uh huh. I don't even. Want, I don't even want to do the math around that because no, 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 definitely. Would well, you? I had a great. Do you remember what board you had? My first board was. Oh, I, I was like one of those old like when I first started. I was one of those kids. I was like the kook. I think I had a Nash like a Nash executioner. Like like right when I was like that little kid, and then. Obviously, like, got into it hardcore. Like, wanted to be more in the real scene. And I think my first real board, I got it for Christmas. I think my mom bought me. It was a, it was a ripstick, a Pal Peralta. Uh
0: huh.
1: It was a skull coming out of the, you know, and like, um, God, I had like, wow, I don't know if I had independence. think i had independence i'm sure i did i've always had independence and then who knows at the time what the wheels were they were probably some pal wheels or something and then but yeah that was my first real board Uh and uh i got that at a skate shop and i just remember going to the skate shop with my mom and this was back you know i mean we're talking a long time ago but back when skate shop yeah probably like yeah because i figure i mean Cause
0: you're forty six, so that was like when you were said you were around eight years old. So yeah, that was about the eight. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Bones Brigade era. You know what I mean? Even yeah. pre animal chin and all that. Like some of the earlier, you know, like Stacy Peralta doing like ces slides, three sixty ces slides down the down the hill behind his house and shit. Yeah, Damn. <laughs> <Like> old school. <laughs> but it was it was cool. Like you know, skate shops back then were uh, terrifying. Like, you try to take your mom, you're, I was like, you know, a kid, 8, 9, 10 years old, trying to go into a skate shop, and these dudes were, like, derelicts, you know? It didn't, like, oh, here's the super sick little wood paneling with my, with my, uh, you know, my assortment of, of the uh, most important shoes that sell in the shop, you know what I mean? Like, make yeah, it look yeah. all proper like they do now. Like, back then, these dudes were smoking cigarettes and basically flicking them on your mom while you're in there trying to shop. <laughs> <laughs> which was what i loved about skateboarding you know it was like this counterculture this like just derelict mentality like i would sit around all day and just try and be the you know like try so hard to get in with somebody just to give me like directions to like some freaking silly ditch somewhere in the middle of nowhere you know what i mean you just go out there and try and do like power slides and bonelesses and shit (laughs) like you're doing um hospitals ho hoes, stuff like that Oh, man, the Ho-Ho's came a little later. It was, you know, the Ho-Ho generation. I have to say, like, that was – I excel. it's so funny because I remember it's probably one of the most hated generations in skateboarding, you know, like the hohos hos and the launch ramps. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, that's when I was killing the game, you know, and then later on everyone was like, that was the worst thing that ever happened to skateboarding. I was like, man, what are you talking about? That shit was awesome.
0: Well, but that, we, uh,
1: that, that shit's yeah. back again, dude, you know. Uh, It all goes full circle. You know, everything comes full circle. But yeah, we used to, so I grew up in LA and I grew up two blocks from LA High and we used to always go skate the banks, but we would, uh, we would take our um, launch ramp. My friend, Nick, who lived around the corner from me, we had a mini ramp in the backyard. They called the they called it the LA ramp and it was Mm -hmm. all over Thresh we were in, we had tons of stuff in Thrasher magazine back, back when Thrasher was newspaper. Like you would like flick through it and your fingers would get all dirty because it was, it wasn't even like glossy. You know what I mean? Like it was like, it was like newspaper. But yeah, we used to, um, we put our boards, we put two boards down and put the launch ramp on the boards and we would, cause literally we were like two blocks from LA high and we would go on the weekends, obviously. Cause you couldn't go during the week. Yeah. But, um, we would, we would skate down there and we would put the launch, uh, the, the launch ramp up against the brick walls, the same bricks that the banks are built out of. If you go inside the school, there's like, you know, 10 foot long, high brick walls. Actually, if you look at some of the old girl videos and like, yeah, right. in those videos, like you'll see, um, uh, you know, a lot of those guys doing tricks on that rail in there. Well, we used to, I mean this is like almost pre-rail skating the banks you would go in and like you'd be stoked if you did a rock and roll or a 50 or something like not nothing like what Mark Johnson and all those guys ended up doing yeah, all those exactly things. Insane, <laughs> but I watch that shit and I'm just like, I I, I look at that like a I look at a supermodel. I'm like, all right, that's about as intangible as it gets. But <laughs> <laughs> actually, I have more I have more luck with supermodels than I do with mul- like multiple multiple tricks. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, but yeah, we used to put the launch ramp in there and we would we do wall rides inside. You know, that was back when like hassoy and like. Jesse Martinez and all those guys were down in Venice um, uh, doing, you know, doing the huge wall rides at the bathrooms there back then. So we used to take the the launch ramp down into LA high and we would do kind of similar. We would try and do the, you know, just mimic that whole wall ride, you know, deal. But, uh, and then the ho-ho scene was cool. That was, uh, there was a skate shop on Melrose called um, Renee's. Mm-hmm. And this is before any of the street, you know, it was right by Fairfax and Melrose, which is right where you know Diamond and Huff and all the Supreme and, and all the, those people. Supreme there. and all those guys are. Yeah. Like before that street had anything to do with like streetwear or skate shops. Like there was uh, Fairfax High School um yeah. was across the street from um from Renee's uh Renee's was a record store and oh, a really? skate shop. Yeah, it was uh it was like this hybrid. It was like records and skate and skateboarding. And the guy, Renee who owned it was super cool. And he sponsored a lot of us as younger kids, but like the whole day, like I'd skate there from my house, which was not far. it was, it was not close. It was, it was a, it was a distance, but <laughs> me and my buddies, we'd skate all the way up there. and we would we'd spend the whole day doing ho-hos and taking the launch <laughs> ramp over to Fairfax high. And like, oh, dude, be, man, I had some skills on the launch ramp, dude. I could do. I had oh, yeah. 360. Cheetos, I had the can cans, Saran wraps, I had all oh, that, God. that
0: shit. Damn, I gotta see this shit, dude, in person, man. Can you still do it or what?
1: Man, it was funny. We had a. It's been a long time since I've since I've seen a launch ramp, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, gosh, I mean, I I don't know if I, I'd probably bust my ass, honestly, but I would try. I mean, I don't know. It's like one of those things. I I can still do ho hos. It might take me a few tar- tries, but you know. I I can still uh I can still make that happen every once in a while. I go up on one hand and go down on the other. Uh-huh. I was talking to Daywan about that a couple maybe a month or so ago. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we man, Jason post Jason videoed me doing a ho ho in front of my hotel that he used to come and stay at in Virginia Beach back in the day, and like it was really funny because I like I reposted it on like on a flashback or something and i tagged day one on it and i was like hey if i went up on one hand and i came down on the other hand does that make it a switch ho ho (laughs) (laughs) and what do you say He said, "Ask." He said, "Ask." Uh, he was like, "Ask Dan Castillo," who's <laughs> a <laughs> fucking ho ho master. That dude. And they want I mean, they One is too. Day One said he hadn't done one in forever. I was like, "Well, yeah." I mean, I, it's not like I do them all the time either. But it and was just a funny question because if you remember back in the day. Um, it was in Animal Chin, Jesse Martinez. They had a section where there were guys doing hohos and they were launched, they were doing launch ramps too. In fact, Tom, I think it was Tommy Guerrero did like a finger flip off the launch ramp. I remember oh, that being yes, like Oh, yes. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, if he just did a fucking fin-. he like did it like, you know, full flipped his board with his finger and landed back." I was like, "I've never done that." And I was like back when launch ramping, I was like, "I thought I had all that shit on lock. And I was like that opened my eyes. <laughs> but uh it was funny cuz um Jesse Martinez was the one who went up on one hand and went down on the other. And that uh-huh. was like iconic at the time. I was just like, because, you know, we were all, everyone was all about that ho-ho era at the time and launch ramp. And, and it was like something, you know, you hadn't seen anyone do that. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> this dude's like a gymnast. <laughs> this guy needs to go to the Olympics for gymnastics or some shit. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was a fun era of skateboarding, you know, it really was. It was great. Yeah, the, the late 80s, early 90s, definitely was, you know. Yeah, and that was really kind of what I think set the tone for the uh, – it, it was a transitional period too. You know, the vert the vert uh, skateboarding was starting to transition. I think Tony Hawk was in that section too where he was launching off that ramp too. He was doing like 360s and all kinds of stuff. So it was like you started – even Lance Mountain and those guys and Caballero, like you could see that there was like um, – A conscious effort from everyone to somehow kind of you know establish themselves in the streets as well as obviously being vert because vert was the dominating dominating force for so long and all of the old videos were on the backyard pool skating which was so sick like i still to this day one of my favorite things to watch was you remember steve Stedham? yeah uh that dude would do these, he would board slide around like pretty much the whole deep end of a pool and then rock and roll back in. Yeah. And I used to like and it just like just watching him do it, like it just looks so fun to see someone lock into a board slide for that long and a round transition like that, you know? And then rock and roll back in, you know, it was so sick. Like that was like, you know, that him. was Oh, that dude was badass. I'm that sure was. he still kills it, you know. All probably those does. dudes probably still kill it. Daywon posted a picture just the other day on his Instagram of um, Hasoy doing a rocket air, and I was like, dude, that's so fucking sick. Dude, I used that's to love awesome. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was,
0: you
1: know, showing my age, but still, just like the fun, just the fun aspect of it, you know? That was like the golden era, I feel like. And then, obviously, you know, the street skating, when street skating came into effect and like really turned into the more dominating force of like we're skateboarding, you know what it turned into what it is now but you know it's even interesting is like it's even more of a hybrid now you just see these kids like they're more i mean it, you know there was there was definitely a kind of a, a separation between uh-huh. transitional skateboarders and like street skaters and now it's like you know there still is to some degree but i mean you see a lot more of it, like, you know, kind of a unification of the two Um, more so than it used, than I think used to happen, but which is insane. And like, it just kind of goes to show like the future of skateboarding is just going to just, it's just going to get so much more and more ridiculous as far as the, the, the ability and the level these kids are taking it to. It's fucking, it's mental. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy how you see it now where, where skateboarding, skateboarders now are are repeating stuff we're doing in the 80s, like slappies and and launch Mm -hmm. ramps and and even the dressing too, you know, how they dress now. is like so, like, early, late 80s, early 90s style, you know? It's like, this is so crazy, you know?
1: Well, you know, it's got to – it's going to probably play that similar role to, like, what fashion would be, you know, how trends with fashion and, like, clothing, like, obviously we went through – you know, especially now, thinking back on you know Keenan uh, July fourth was when Rest you know Keenan passed Keenan passed away um, and that was twenty years ago, I believe I think, yeah, yeah. so it's been twenty years since Keenan passed, and you think about it, he was at a party in Malibu when he when he he drowned in that pool. Mm-hmm. It was the day after the party, if if I recall, um and I, from what I gather, he was you know trying to clean the pool a little bit or whatever i don't know something and then he just happened to black out and while he was doing going up and down or something i don't know i you know you hear here say i don't know what like the 100 percent story is but i just remember when it happened that party was at was it the jinko guy or the kickwear guy
0: i think it was the jinko guy
1: it was the jinko guy yeah So, so i mean you think about that like that dude made so much money oh, that God. he could own a baller mansion in Malibu. And Malibu is the most expensive real estate yeah. in, the, in like the whole United States. And that dude made that much money off those gigantic ass baggy oh, fucking pants, God. like those giant, like just stupid huge pants, right? Yeah. And skaters skaters used to be all about it, you know? And then all of a sudden, think 10 years later, or maybe not, yeah, it was probably 10 years later, all of a sudden you got like crude. And you got these kids running around like, dude, I remember being at a park and my, my buddy was like, Hey, you might want to tell your kid to wear some boy (laughs) pants or something (laughs) like that. Cause he was wearing like those super skinny crew pants. And it was so funny. And the deal was just, he said it straight up to this kid's dad. I was like, Oh my God, dude. (laughs) But uh, full circle, it's got to come back around. You know, it's going to be funny too, is all the big puffy shoes are going to come back around. They're going to, come back and they already are. Yeah, I know it's making it definitely is making, you know, a little bit more of an impact, but you gotta think like, I don't know. I will say this. One thing that I know historically about skateboarding and skateboarding trends is that skateboarders will always wear something that actually is the most dysfunctional shit you could put on your body to go skateboarding in. Oh yeah. That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, For real, like, can you imagine, like, in the, in the big bands trend that caught on, like, the, um, you know, the, uh, just, like, barely any insole, if there was at all, and the vulcanized soles, and it was oh, just like, dude, yeah. that's, like, that's going back 50 years and, like, te- technological advances in footwear to, like, actually make skateboarding. Oh, but you can feel your board. You can feel your board. I'm like, dude... <laughs> All right, cool. So, are you raw dogging when you're plowing hookers? Like, pretty sure you're still wearing a rubber when you're doing that, right? RDK, yeah,
0: man. RDK, brother.
1: Hey, I'm a raw dog king. I'm past that's my shit right there. Especially at my age, dude. My fucking shit sees a fucking condom and that shit will shrink quicker than it is. It's just like, what is that? Like, the one eye warrior's like, no, hell no, I ain't going there. <laughs> it'd would, it would be like
0: oh shit dude what the hell you put me into man
1: yeah exactly no you think i'm gonna function with that thing going on but anyway <laughs> that's where all my all my uh all the flick goes out of the equation You're like trying to do pressure flips <laughs>
0: yo baby i'm gonna do a pressure flip on your on. yeah i'm about to flush
1: she's gonna be like wait a minute this is some old school shit i don't know if i like this <laughs> Definitely, But no, it's
0: true, man. The trend is crazy, dude. Like this is just to see what people are going to wear like in the next five years. You know what I mean? Like what? I mean, they're going to go baggy shirts or slim back to slim
1: pants again. I mean, it's going to be crazy, you know? I mean, I feel like there's going to be some sort of like adaptation of kind of everywhere we've been, like maybe some sort of hybrid type thing. But I mean, you know, I don't, I look back and I think everyone learns from those those generational trends where you're just like I'll never wear that kind of shit again and then you oh, I'll never wear that shit again and then all of a sudden you kind of like it it comes back around but maybe to some degree a, there's got to be a slight adaptation and like a little separation from what it was originally but yeah. you know it does they do it does come back that's for sure and but you got to think about it like dude, look at the skateboarding everybody was doing i mean I always go back to Daywon because the guy's freaking, A genius. you know, he's not, he's, he's gone through so many different generations. He's gone through so many different trends, like whether it be what he's wearing and what from, from the footwear aspect or the, or the apparel aspect or whatever. Uh-huh. And he's just, he's never, it's never affected his ability to just go out and murder it, you know? And so, you know, I mean, it just goes to show it's, you know, the, the, the trends for whether it be footwear or apparel Uh that's not gonna it's never gonna hinder the the uh you know just the the progression that skateboarding is gonna inevitably have happen because these kids are out there pushing the limits all the time and it's like you know they're gonna they're gonna find a way no matter what they're wearing (laughs) to go out (laughs) and do shit that no one's ever seen them do it might look it might re- look ridiculous as fuck if they're wearing some. Like <laughs> when you look back on like Jinko and shit, it just looks so silly now. But at the time, it was like that was it. That was what everyone was doing. So it didn't look silly then. You thought that was the shit, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it was crazy when I when I was I mean out in California. I mean, kids skaters out there are wearing. Shit. Remember when we used to wear like like size sixty pants and our dad's size pants and stuff? But, but out there, I haven't seen it out here yet but out there it's already kids already rocking that style you know
1: yeah like well you know i mean cuz I, obviously i i grew up in los angeles and then and i know you you've been living in san diego for a long time a long uh-huh. time now. so you see that progressive kind of like trend starting movement always kind of happens out there and then it kind of trickles um, across and then the, it just kind of all filters in but skateboarders I mean, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, but, you know, uh, I always felt like skateboarders drove trends for every walk of life. Like they were on a trend before anybody else was. And then all of a sudden you see like hip hop artists jocking it or, you know, the rappers and the, and the, and then all of a sudden, you know, whether it be actors or whatever like but i mean it was always and that's what i think makes brands like supreme and you know the history with like diamond and huff and all these streetwear brands you know they're skate brands but they're hybrids because the street when you you know when you consider a brand uh a streetwear brand which You know, I think a lot of people that wear those brands and that look to those brands as the, as a popular brand, Uh a lot of the people wearing those brands and thinking of them in that, in that capacity are, are not even necessarily aware that they're traditionally they're a skateboard brand. You know, some, I mean, I think there is a huge percentage of people who do see it as a, you know, knows, know that the, that the history of that brand is skateboarding, but you know there's a whole nother aspect of the of the client of the customer that that jocks those brands that don't even know the history behind them or you know the fact that they they are like a, a true skateboarding brand first and foremost before they're you know kind of a streetwear brand but it goes it goes you know i mean there's no such thing as streetwear without skateboarding because skateboarding comes from the streets you know and that's yeah that's why it, it blend they blend together and you know it's always it's been that way for God I don't even know how long 30 years at least you know ever since you know like I said that going back to our earlier comp- part of the conversation with the where the vert you know and, and transitional skateboarding kind of transitioned into street skating and all of a sudden it just started a whole you know like movement within mm-hmm. not just skateboarding but within you know a social movement you know yeah Which is, and that's that's what's so cool about skateboarding. That's why it transcends into so much uh, of so, so much of a bigger picture than just you know, yeah. you know just throwing the board down and going out. Even though that's well, the most important part to me, you know. <laughs> well, we gotta look fresh sometimes when we're out there, you know. <laughs> oh, dude! You sh- hey, at my age, I gotta be flossing all the time, dude, because I'm trying to run girls half my <laughs> I'm like out with chicks that are half my age. And they know, think my shit's they think I'm cool.
0: <laughs> oh, you're happy? Your what's, what's your age limit?
1: Oh, man. Uh, all right. Look, I'll, I, I don't even know who's listening to this, so I don't want to like get done with it. But <laughs> I'd say so. <clears throat> lately, it's been in the, the high 20s to the uh mid 30s. I kind of draw the line. You don't do 40s. They got to have some special shit popping off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, my my age limit is from 25 to 40. I don't go anything over 40 and no kids. They can't have no kids.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. I actually was hanging out with a girl recently that was – she's beautiful. Gosh, she's such a – she was – you know, this was – I mean, I say recently. It has been a couple months or whatever, but – but yeah, she, she, you know, she was probably early thirties, but she had a little two-year-old, and like my son's fourteen, or he'll be fourteen in two weeks, you know. Damn. And like we skate and fish, and like we do all this shit together. He's like my best friend because he's like a little mini me, you know. Yeah. But like I don't, for me, a toddler, like a kid that young, it's one thing if it's your kid, you know what I mean. Like if I was to knock a girl up right now. Then I'd be full blown. Like, I'd be, cause I'm just a stand up dude like that anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but to play stepdad to a two or two and a half, three year old kid at my age, where I'm backwards. at, my kid. Yeah. Backwards. I mean, like I said, if it's your kid, then, then you man up and you take care of it. And obviously, you're going to love the shit out of your own kid. But, you know, for, for me to play stepdad to a toddler at, where I'm at in my life, it's just, I can't, I, can't, I just, I, I don't, I can't, I just can't, I don't mean to sound harsh or like disrespectful or like be a hater because, you know, like I said, this, the one, this one particular girl I was hanging out with, she was, she was smoking hot and just, wow, like slamming. But, uh-huh. you know, it, it just, I don't know. I just kind of like started to realize the more we hung out and I was hanging out with this little girl that she has who's such a beautiful little girl. But at the same time, I was just like, I don't think I can roll with this where I'm at in my life, you know? <laughs> Just where I'm at, you know. It's just, you yeah. know,
0: not but you got to know your,
1: you got to know yourself. Because I know people that'll suck that shit up, and then they're miserable. And I'm just like, man, I'm not, I'm not in that point in my life. I'm trying to be happy in my life. I, I'm not trying to make sacrifices that are ultimately going to like contradict where I'm at, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, hey, well, you've been on a spree for a while, man. You know, you've been what, killing yeah. it? I do well. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say
1: let's just say let's just say there's there's some Nigel Houston and Langhorne's bones but it ain't it but I ain't going to the Olympics and
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, just, just do RDK that's all you gotta do man
1: oh man you know that's how it works these days <laughs> Tell you right now and and back to the back to the industry stuff so
0: Mm -hmm. so okay so you live in los angeles then you moved to florida later or so what
1: happened was um this was gosh all right so let's yeah hitting the rewind button so i started i was actually getting i was sponsored when i was really young i had some like promo style sponsorships for skateboarding um and then it rolled over when i started surfing more and then uh-huh. so uh I actually started, I had some really legit sponsors in the surfing aspect. But then, you know, as I was getting older, they were kind of like, hey, we can't really be doing what we've been doing for you. You know, we gotta focus on the younger generation kind of thing or whatever. But uh so my friend Brian, one of the Dunlap brothers, um, mm-hmm. offered me a position. It's one of my best friends, and, and they were sponsoring me for 118 board shop, which was I mean, you talk about the roster of athletes that came out of there. Um, well, There's a lot, dude. Oh, man. I mean, P-Rod, like, you know, all everyone that was on DVS because they owned DVS. You know, they started DVS yeah. out of that shop, which was in the Valley in, in uh, Los Angeles. And so, anyway, uh, you know, they offered me a position um, doing pioneering the Mid-Atlantic for DVS. And that was right. I think it was like within the first year or two that I was on board with them, they launched Lakai. Uh You know, obviously they partnered with with Rick and Mike and 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 the Girl Family, and they started Lakai, um, which was a partnership between DVS and and Girl. Yeah. Um, But you know, um, split ownership and all that kind of thing. And Gavin kind of orchestrated the whole thing. You know, Tim was the the driving force behind of like all the relationships that were embedded within that and then obviously tim was still <clears throat> when dvs was in the infancy stages tim was pro had his own shoe but he also came on as a marketing guru and like he's the one who brought day in and keenan and drawn and, and yeah. daniel and like you know i mean everybody really and it was like Dude, I mean, at the time, it was probably the sickest roster and, like, the best team you've ever seen, oh, you know? DBS was really um, sick,
0: dude. They even had, like, what, Sheffy on there for a minute, too? Yeah, oh, well,
1: yeah, Sheffy was on board. Oh, man, that was sick. Kerry Getz, remember? gets yep. was on there. Dude, I remember one of the first tours I ever went on. Uh, Jeremy Rogers was probably, what, 14, be- be- Before you came all L.A.-ish? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I hang out. Like, Jeremy... Uh, we still talk randomly <clears throat> here and there, because um, there's actually a girl that that's from here where I live now, who lives in LA too, and they're like best friends out there. Mm-hmm. And she's been here for a little while because of the the rioting and the looting and you know and the and the uh, COVID and all that crap. So she came back to Florida, and uh, we've been hanging out a bunch. But um, she's like Jeremy and her. I don't know if they're roommates or they're just best friends or something. But but anyway, so like I still. You know, I still have contact with those guys a little bit to some degree. But, yeah, the first tour he ever went on, I think he was 14. It was right after they released that movie, PJ, the P.J. Ladd movie. You remember that one? Oh, um,
0: yes. That was the
1: – Wonderful it, Life or whatever that was. Wonderful was,
0: Life.
1: Kids, yeah, dude, it was sick. It was mental. But, uh, yeah, Jeremy, we they signed him to DVS, and he went on that tour. He was, like, 14, and I remember we were on that tour together. And But, yeah, I mean, that was – jeez. I basically crossed the country. I moved from LA to Virginia Beach, and I was handling the Mid Atlantic for. Th- I did there. I was there for three years, and then they transferred me to Florida. Oh, okay. Um, so that was probably 2003. I moved to Florida. Um, was a big. But, was, uh,
0: it, was it a big culture shock for you for going from California to uh, Virginia and then to here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean. You know, I think it's funny because unless you have that perspective, which I know you do, because you yeah. just did it. Um, but, you know, I i mean, when you're when you're from L.A. originally, like I, I literally grew up two blocks from L.A. high, like born and raised like up in that scenario. And then I and then I moved across when I was I think I was twenty six, maybe when I moved mm-hmm. across. And so, yeah, it was a culture shock for sure. And I but I mean, I had been traveling. My mom was from Virginia Beach. So the reason why the Dunlaps wanted me to go there is because they knew I had like some family ties. They knew I had like some kind of lay of the land and they needed somebody that understood the strength of DVS at the time mm-hmm. to be able to go over there and like really hammer it home to all the retailers that had been at the time. Maybe, you know, Osiris or audio or, you know, they didn't, they didn't they hadn't adapted to the idea that DVS was like kicking all the other brands' asses everywhere, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I went out there and, you know, established the territory. Um, It didn't take long, you know, I mean, between me being a smart-ass shit-talking <laughs> son of a bitch and, like, and and their marketing and their team. I mean, how are you going to turn your back on the... I mean, and that was right when they started implementing some really heavy hitters from the East Coast. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, Kerry Getz was a huge influence for us when, when I came out on the Eastern, you know, the East Coast. And then I started bringing regional guys on that were super gnarly and, like, sponsoring them and just out of my own budgets. And then hope, and then Gabe, you know, Gabe, um, yeah. Clement, like everyone knows Gabe. And he was, he was actually, he was my mentor when I first came across because he was actually the sales director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he taught me everything I knew about, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like that just like sales is in, embedded in me. And uh, I think that's what the Dunlap saw me that they knew, even though I had no experience, they could kind of like, let me like, just feed me to the wolves kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and but you know, Gabe was really the the driving force behind training me to like, um at least attempt to train me to have some sort of rapport when I was inside retail doors even though I'm like no filter and I talk so much trash but but yeah
0: I know What's some of the trash yeah.
1: you talk about oh man ah you, remember, uh, you remember know some of it <laughs> oh I was I, you know what it was funny because at the time there was just it was it was you know, it goes back to, to my thought press. Like, I skateboarded my whole life, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I definitely didn't appreciate having to compete for, for, uh, for wall space, you know, with other brands that had reps that weren't skateboarders. Like, mm-hmm. that would drive me out of my fucking mind, you know? Yeah you know, and there were other brands and I'm not going to name them and I'm not going to name the reps because that <laughs> doesn't, it's not, it's not a, it's not an, it's not a direct influ, um, depiction of those people's characters because I'm actually close with a lot of them now. Yeah. At the time I was just a young cow. I was like cowboy style, you know? Uh, so yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. I, you know, I did things that when I look back in retrospect were you know wouldn't be the the angle I would take anymore um by any means and I wish I hadn't really necessarily gone that route back then it would they were effective I will say that uh but you know it was just yeah I mean for me it's like you know it's the same shit we've talked about a 100 million times over like for me count skateboarding is not a sport it's not it's not like to me it's not about going to the olympics it's not mm-hmm. about soccer moms it's not about skate parks it's about a counterculture. It's about being a derelict. It's about trying, like, being against the grain. You know what I mean? And it's always stood for that to me. So, so for me, you know, the biggest thing about skateboarding to me is the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only true, in my opinion, um, if it's you know, like, if it's a skater owned and operated brand. If the people affiliated actually skateboard. You know, like I've worked, yeah. I've had sales managers. Without naming brands where I'm just like, why the fuck do I have to answer to this clown? This dude doesn't even fucking skateboard. Why the fuck is he telling <laughs> me what, the, you know what I mean? Like this dude's yeah. never, go get on your motorcycle and go the fuck away, dude. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're not a skateboarder and I'm not, I mean, there's plenty of skateboarders that motor, have motorcycles. So it's like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not just really. saying like, <clears throat> you know, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's like, if it's not authentic, then it's, then it's a poser scenario and posers are fucking posers or cooks or just, that's what it is, you know? So. I just uh, I didn't appreciate having a battle with other companies, um, you know, that didn't have skateboarders working for them.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what I mean. And I'm never gonna claim I was some world class skateboarder. I wasn't. I mean, obviously, I you know I had you, you some levels. Your,
0: you, you know your shit. You know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing.
1: You well, know. how about this? You know what? If you don't, if you don't even know how to sit down and grip a board, you know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm it's just, I, I don't know, man, this, you know, there's just been so many roller coaster rides um, within our industry. Uh, but to some degree uh, it, you know, sometimes people assume that that's what's kept the retailers afloat and, and whatnot in certain circumstances. But I don't know if I agree with that, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, I mean, you know,
0: what, I, what would you rather go into? Would you rather go into a Zoomies where a kid doesn't know what, how to grip, grip a board and doesn't know anything about skateboarding? Or would you go into a skate shop where they know what they're talking about and they know how to grip a board? I mean, that's what it comes down to. What would you rather go to?
1: Well, like I said before, I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, skate shops nowadays, no disrespect, because I have plenty of friends that own skate shops and shit, but it's just like it's too convenient. It's just like so polite. Everyone's so polite. I mean, you could say, I mean, I almost feel like, yeah, the Zoomies thing is, it is what it is. It's just, you know, another mall depiction of a a poser kind of scenario. But, you know, the reality is like every, even the, even the core shops have adapted to some degree Mm -hmm. to where their customer service is you know, a prioritization, like they're polite, they're, you know, Hey, is there anything, if you need anything you know. and I, and you know, that's retail and, in, in retail, you, the, you know, you, that's kind of how you want to be, but I'll tell you right now, I don't know if it's any more effective than when those dudes were flicking cigarettes at my mom because I was literally like these are the coolest dudes on the fucking planet. They just they fucking just blew smoke in our faces and flicked a cigarette and basically don't give a fuck that we're in their shop right now. Like you can get the fuck out of here. I don't give a fuck. Tell your kid. No, I won't tell him where the ditch is. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? And And it made me want it more, dude. It made me want it more. It made me want to fucking be so part of that fucking scene. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, these are the coolest dude. These dudes just told my mom, basically, just shove it up her ass kind of shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And that was, to me, that was kind of what skateboarding stood for. And now it's like you go into a shop and they're like, oh, let me know if you need to try on a pink Janowski and fucking we got size 10 left and fucking dirk durka. And it's just like, oh, my God, what the fuck happened? I thought we were cool. Now we're talking about, you know, I can like you know, fucking shove, a, shove an SB up my butthole and make me feel good for the day. Nah, well, I'm good. Well, well the shop
0: I, went, I go to a lot, you know, I mean, it was a packed drive in Pacific Beach. I mean, they're just uh-huh. like that. You walk in. Nobody greets you. They just sit around, and watch TV, and it is bullshit. And then if you want something, they'll be like, oh, do you want something? You know, it's just yeah. like that. You yeah. Know? And I totally get what you're saying because I like that, you know, because I don't want to go to a shop where like they hound you 24 seven and, Oh. Yeah, it's like
1: going to buy a car. It's like going, you know, you go to a used car dealership or you go to, like, you know, the different kind of dealerships where, like, you're going to roll up at Porsche and those motherfuckers are going to be like, yeah, let me know when you're you're when you're down to throw 50 grand for a deposit down. You know, they're not even riding you at all, but then you go to, like, the lemon guy and that dude's just, like, rolling you off, trying to, like, get you to buy some 1920 fucking Volvo for six grand. I don't know. It is, but, you know, I think... It's just, again, it's kind of just the adaptation of where it's everything, how it's come full circle. And, you know, the reality is with all the parks and the soccer moms and the Olympics and Uh the idea that you could be the next Niger or the next, you know, I mean, you look at the kind of money that's filtering through with some of the top athletes and it's, it's it's mental. Like it's the, you know, when you look at what these kids are worth and what Red Bull's throwing at them and then their sponsors and you know what I mean? Like you're talking, you know, guys that are making multimillion dollars and these, these kids know it, their parents are starting to figure it out. So it's like, it just changes everything. So like, you know, you've got this whole kind of concept that skateboarding is, you know, it's almost like you, when you walk into a skate shop now, it's not, it's not as, it's not as far fetched from walking into like a, like a golf shop, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Where you're going to go buy a golf set and like some golf cleats or like, you know I mean? It's kind of come to that, that, you know, point. I mean, not completely. There's still, there's still the derelict in the, in the counterculture and skateboarding more than in, in most other, I would say, you know, you want to call them jock sports. I call them jock sports. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah, definitely. No, I know what you mean.
1: You know, without, without like hating because, you know, they're world-class athletes. When I think about, you know, the different levels of skateboarding and where skateboarding's at now. Like you take someone like Nyjah and like, when I think about someone like Nija, I think of him as like, he's a straight up fucking athlete. You know, mm-hmm. he's like a Michael Jordan. He's like a, he's like a Kelly Slater. Like, he's just like, he's one of those people that you put him in those super domes with a hundred thousand people watching. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's been trying a new trick at nearby his house or in his backyard or whatever. And he hadn't stuck it yet, and you get a hundred thousand people watching him, and he'll fucking stick it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he excels under that kind of pressure, which is what the best, you know, competitive athletes have ever done, um, you know, in all sports. So, to some degree, skateboarding has has adapted to you know having an aspect of it that's more of a, a, a like a traditional sport. Yeah, which is not is not definitely not what I. I grew up with, it was nothing like that before, no. but then, you know, for me, like on a personal level, you know, I like seeing guys like day pushing the envelope, doing things that, you know, for me, skateboarding is more of an individual thing. It's yeah. more, it's not, Oh, I did a nolly backside so flipped on a 10 set. Like, yeah. So did 200 other people today and they all got it on video. It's all on Instagram. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. like the, set, <laughs> you know, the go-to set tricks and then, but then you got guys like, like day that's just like, nobody's doing what the fuck he's doing you know what I mean like only he's (laughs) doing that shit only he's doing that and so you know that's what I that's where that to me is more of uh what I look at skateboarding as like as a you know for me it's more of an artistic kind of individual like you step out of your door you put your board down and you go out and you do whatever the fuck you want like Mark Johnson is a is a huge influence influence from that aspect as well he's like one of those guys that just goes out and like comes up with shit. You know what I mean? It it might be an adaptation of an existing trick where, but, but like something in his mindset is like clicking that just doesn't necessarily click. And, you know, so you got the skateboarders that are, that are going to be inclined to put lines down that, you know, um, that are tricks that, you know, everyone got go to tricks and maybe they set it off on a good line and maybe they go to the right spot and maybe the videographer or whatever like gets a good angle and is comes together, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like they're doing anything necessarily completely unique, you know, mm-hmm. where yeah. certain guys, you know, there's such a small percentage, but those are the ones that I, I love the most are the ones that just set, set a tone for individual, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause you got to think about it. I mean, like, I think I did an interview with a uh, Shaw great house and we were, we talked about the same thing, you know, like, I mean, the skateboarding now is like amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy, but it doesn't really hype us up that much. You know what I mean? I'd prefer to watch someone like day one who's just out there just cruising the streets and just doing skateboarding. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. Of, instead of watching some dude doing like big spin, board slide, whatever, two, 270 out of it or something crazy. That That's just to me, that's just like, I'm not going to get hyped on it. I'd rather watch somebody cruising down the street and just having fun, you know?
1: Yeah, getting raw, which is. Yeah, for sure. That's how I feel about it too. But I mean, they're, I, you know, not to take away from the skill set that some of these guys have that are all. I mean, all of them are ripping these days. Oh yeah, it's definitely. Crazy. I sit there and watch this shit, and I'm just blown away. I'm just like, oh my gosh, dude. And like the skill, like my son's 14, and like you know, we grew up. He grew up skateboarding with me. We skated all the time, and like just his like go to, like just his like just him just pushing. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, golly, dude. He j- he goes down the street and fucking can pop off tricks that I'm just like, those are, those are like some of my best tricks. And he's yeah. just crazy. Really like, <laughs> I'm like, damn. All right. You know, I'm happy to keep tricks. It's not like for me learning new tricks. Although I will say, I was talking to Jason the other day, we man, you know, Akuna and we were talking, I DM'd him on the Instagram because he posted some shit. He's still getting some new stuff and he's my age too. And I was like, damn, dude. I was like, he did like a, slappy feeble and then lapped it over to hurricane and then yeah. brought it back to board slide. And I was just like, damn, dude, I was like, you're getting your day one on right there. I was like a triple threat. <laughs> I was like, that was fucking ill, dude. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, man, I need to get, I, I should get out there a little more often then. Cause obviously there's still some ability, but I, I get hyped on watching that. You know, I, I, I love seeing guys that are still pushing it, you know, yeah. at, in, in, you know, in their forties and still, crushing it but well, well, look at Tony
0: Hawk you know, man dude he's fucking killing it and him and Cab and all those guys dude. Oh yeah. 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 They uh My, I, what was Mark, it? I mean it's Markovich been a couple killing, years. Markovic is killing it. Mike York. Somebody got some of those dudes are just killing it, dude.
1: Yeah. That's fucking I, I love seeing them all I mean dude, they're so I mean the level of talent, like you know, I mean they're those guys were so far ahead of the game back you know, back when that like it took a a whole generation to catch up to them. And now they're still in that elite, you know, kind of, you know, elite level, especially like maybe on the, especially maybe on the low impact. I mean, obviously watching some of the shit that's going down some huge rails and stuff like none of the, none of the older guys are trying to throw themselves down that shit. But, you know, as far as just like tech stuff and like Manny and just like, uh, it's sick it's so fun to watch plus the style you know what i mean like you think about guys like kenny anderson and like you know and the level of style like it's one thing i miss about keenan watching that dude switch was like amazing i saw yeah i saw all the the videos everyone's obviously posting videos of him um you know because he passed away and it was like his anniversary uh-huh. And it's just funny because obviously I got a slew of videos that I have in my house for, you know, I have plenty of Keenan in them, but it was just, you know, it's like a, it, when you see that, it's like that reminder, like, and I just sit there and scratch my head and go, this is 20 something, 20, 25 years ago, this guy's pushing switch, you know, and you don't even know he switch like you can't even tell. It's like until he does like a nollie backside flip and you see that's actually his real stance like you don't even know. The rest of his entire part was Switch. You know what I mean? And it's just fucking dumb how good that dude looked Switch, too. Like, his style was just amazing. Yeah. Danny Garcia, I mean, you don't see him skating so much anymore, no. but God, dude, that guy was well, I was like watching butter melt in your microwave. Oh, that dude was
0: so insane. I mean, all those dudes were, man, like, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know? I mean, you got, like... Oh, Yeah. I mean all those all those 90s skaters just kill it, you know.
1: Yeah, it was a fun era, man. That was the golden era. I feel like from you know from a style aspect and and I mean it's not to take away every, all these new kids are killing the fucking game too and they're you know. And then but I think, you know, from that and like um the videos that were coming out and and the era like the the industry, you know, the fact that almost all the brands that people were wearing, whether it was footwear or apparel or whatever, were actually on some level skater owned and operated. You know what I mean? And you just don't see that anymore either, you know, which is like I was saying earlier. I mean, I use the word a lot and it means a lot to me when I think about skateboarding, but, and, and not just skateboarding, but anything, you know, but authenticity, you know what I mean? Like having something be authentic, like, you know when tim gavin and the Dunlops and girl collaborated and launched lakai mm-hmm. there was nothing more authentic in skateboarding at the time you know from a foot, from a footwear standpoint and obviously fully flared is probably still to this day the most iconic video oh 100% you know, you know to come out and it just goes to show that that on that the uh, the level of authenticity be, behind the fact that this was a skater owned and operated brand skater you know everything you know wasn't a division and i go back it's one of the things i hate more than anything in fucking the skate industry it drives me out of my goddamn mind i'm surprised i haven't been shot by somebody because i fucking talk so much shit about it but you know but what i what i despise more than anything is a division of a company dedicated to skateboarding because they're not a skateboarding company to begin with Mm-hmm. So they they launch a division that's de- dedicated to skateboarding, whether it's Levi's, Nike, Adidas, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, uh, S- oh, the SB section. Oh, it's the skateboarding section because we're actually a running brand or we're actually a soccer company or we're actually, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like this little tiny bastardization of what their company really is. And like they can just spend all the stupid money because they have these marketing budgets that are – worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So if they want to buy their way in, they can do it. You know, like, oh, we're going to put the best athletes on the world on. What do we care? We'll just take a couple, you know, dollars from uh, the basketball budget and some dollars from the football budget and some dollars from the golf budget. And all of a sudden they've got a roster of athletes that are the best skateboarders on the planet. And it makes them look legitimate. But the reality is, I mean, kids don't know it. Because, you know, you and I, we are industry people. We know it. We've yeah. seen it. We've seen the the A to Z um, from the interior side of the industry, you know. So, and not to knock what those brands have done and not to knock the fact that they brought on some really legitimate people to help them to, to aco- uh, accomplish what they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from a business aspect, I'm not trying to to downplay what, what's been accomplished by some of the brands that I may have just forementioned. But, you know, but what I'm getting at is that it's, you know, Lakai doesn't have a basketball division. No. Lakai doesn't have a golf division. Lakai doesn't have a soccer division. You know what I mean? Lakai is just a skate company, period. Skateboarding. Yeah. That's it. So they don't have to go, Hey, you know what? We just decided we want to be a billion dollar jock brand. So we're going to launch Lakai uh, BB, yeah, you know basketball division like imagine how <laughs> joked out imagine how joked the fuck out they would get they would get so joked out within that com- that industry oh we're going to launch the uh, uh, GB the the golf ball division of Lakai like are you yeah. kidding me like they'd be joked out of the fucking room they'd be laughed at yeah. but it's just interesting because we've enabled companies that never had anything to do with skateboarding to come in and, and throw an SB behind it and turn it into like oh a division that's dedicated to skateboarding, even though we haven't given a fuck about it ever.
0: And, and the, fun, and the funny, th- and the funny thing is, is I hear kids and people's like, oh, they are skateboarding. That's why SB, that's why they still have Nike skateboard shoes. I'm like, no, they're not skateboarding, dude.
1: Well, and, and, and there, it's funny because, you know, in their defense too, um, because I'm not trying to hate, I'm just trying to, my perspective is that the authenticity is if it's not skater owned and operated, it's not a skate brand period. Yeah. That's the way I've always felt. I'm never going to change that opinion ever, no. ever, 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 ever.
0: So, with you.
1: yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, it's like, you know, Nike, Nike, when they came in, they did everything right. You know, they hired the right people, you know, Kevin, my buddy that I grew up skateboarding with in LA, um you know, he, he is, he's a true, he's a true skateboarder. He skated his whole life. He's, he's a bad, like he's, he's a good skateboarder. He used to come and skate my mini ramp all the time. I'd skate his vert ramp in his backyard at his parents' house in Inglewood. And we went to high school all four years. We graduated together, you know? And like, uh-huh. I think he worked, he was a editor. Um, he's a writer originally. And I think he was an editor at the, gosh, one of those cool magazines. And I think, eventually nike pulled them out and when they launched sb and like you know really decided that they were going to put the money forth to like try and do it right you know and they they put kevin in in a position and he brought a lot of people in and, and they did it right they did it right and they broke through and and they're obviously still very prevalent and you know more props to them for you know having the ability to do that and you know um you know they're 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 A business mogul. You can't, you know, you're not going to fuck with a $35 billion company. Like they're going to do what they want to do. If they put their mind to doing something, they're going to do it, you know? And they, and they finally did after kind of being rejected a few times, but they, I feel like when they were getting rejected, uh, it was because they weren't, they weren't committing, you know what I mean? Like they weren't committing full force. They were just kind of like throwing a little, you know, a little hat out there and trying to see if it, if it turned into something and it didn't. And so they realized, I think, you know, once the, uh, the, the traditional skate brands had grown to grown the footwear industry into a, a billion dollar, you know, more, Oh, well over a billion dollars. If you think about it, um, you know, they realized that they had to be in the game and that they, they had to make a commitment that was going to be, you know, a lot more, uh, serious than what they had attempted to do in the past. And then, you know, they brought the right people on, they put the budget in place and they did it and mm-hmm. they, uh, You know, they they made a success success story out of it where they had failed before. So, you know, from a business aspect, props for sure. Does it change my perspective? No. No. (laughs) Do I still believe, you know, do I still believe that that skateboarders should dominate and run skateboarding? Of course, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't mean, uh, you know. 90-year-old runners that ran around a track in the 70s with a pole vault and short shorts hiring skateboarders. <laughs> That's not impressive to me. Like, I like to see skateboarders dominate skateboarding and hiring skateboarders. So, and I think the reality is a lot of people are unaware of, like, but when you think about what DVS's athlete budget was back in the day, like their rider's budget, what was the budget? Was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine how much money these guys are making and these guys are making? But like, dude, I'll tell you right now, DVS was paying a buttload of money to those guys like their their commissions i remember at one point barra steve barra had a a barra three and a barra four i forgot about i
0: forgot about steve barra running for dvs i totally forgot yeah
1: and dude he was and if i'm not mistaken i think gabe told me that barra at that time was the highest paid athlete on the roster because but it was commission-based you know he was making um he was making money off the sales of his shoes so he the bearer three was like that low pro uh low pro cup sole but it was like an all suede upper like a really skatable shoe so like the skate shops were eating it alive and then they had this kind of chubby tech like tri-color shoe that like the freaking mainstream market was eating alive and i think that was right when we you know when we had expanded in some of the more mainstream shops that kind of unfortunately created an implosion for the skate brands um But, yeah, I mean, I know he was making, you know, uh, over a half a million dollars a year in commissions on his shoes. And we're talking back in the 90s. You -hmm. know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, you know, so, I mean, to think that the skater-owned and operated brands – you know, can't facilitate those type of contracts for these athletes is, is totally incorrect. If you think about Dave Mayhew and what he was making when the D three was blowing up, he's probably still the highest paid skateboard commissions from a, from a footwear brand. Maybe I would even assume more than Janowski. You know what I mean? Like, that dude was making so much money, it was ridiculous, dude. It was, like, dumb. Who, Janowski you know? or, or Mayhew? No, well, Janowski was, too, but uh, Dave Mayhew when the D3 was blowing up. Oh, yeah, the D3s.
0: And then they just – I think Osiris is back now, and now they're reissuing the D3s but making them more glimmer. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell?
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's wild to think, like – but when you think about Bam – How much money was Bam making on his shoe from audio? It had to have been dumb. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the skateboard world, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see, like, I've, I've really tried to instate, like, instill this into my son's head because, you know, at his age, he's just going to turn 14 in two weeks. Like, you know, as coming from the industry, I've always been really adamant about letting him know, like, Hey man, like Not everyone's going to turn into the 1% pro skateboarder, but Uh you got to think about from an industry standpoint, from from a business standpoint, like, you know, where do you want to, if you want to be in that skate world, like you think about all of us and how we've all been able to not necessarily like obviously none of us, you know, like from the industry standpoint, we're not pro skateboarders, no. but you know, we've been in the skateboard world forever and we've been able to make a, like a really good livelihood from it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think the reality is i try to instill that in my son that go, you know, just let him know, like, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't need to turn into the next day one. You don't need to turn in the next, you know, P. Totally Rod, large, but, like you, but, you know, but, but think about where their other opportunities are and, you know, believe in those. And so I think, you know, I hope that there's going to be another generation of kids that, that, you know, what I saw from our generation was that, um, you know, people, some of the guys, some, everybody was kind of like came together. The athletes came together. The 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 people who had, you know, maybe whether it be family money or something to invest in and like try and launch something that lived the lifestyle that necessarily weren't pro or going to be pro, but like, you know, and then it turned into this movement. And I, I, I hope that there's like another legitimate, authentic movement in skateboarding. Yeah you know, I mean, there always, there is still, there is, I mean, but it's more from a hard goods aspect. Like when you think about Tori and day one and like, thank you. And like, you think about all the hard goods companies still have that authenticity, but I'd like to see it again from the apparel and the footwear aspect. You know what I mean? Where it's like, maybe this next generation of kids, maybe my son's generation, you know, launches footwear brands and they see success. You know what I mean? Like they turn it back into like what it, what it was in the nineties and, you know, having that authenticity and having it be, you know, skater owned and operated and like being able to take it to that next level. And, yeah. you know, have, have uh, scenarios like, you know, someone like, an, you know, another spike Jones, like another girl. And not to say those are going anywhere. Cause they're no. still, they're still very relevant. I mean, you know, they're still dominating, but, you know, they're adjusting to, to
0: the new generation kids, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't see that changing. I mean, those guys, you know, when you think about Rick and Mike, I mean, dude, honestly, like, if you give me top five skaters, I mean, Mike Carroll's hands down one of my – 100%. He's, like, 100% in my top five, no doubt. Like, he's – you know, so I don't know. I mean, those guys, you know, they're never going to not be on top of their game. They're never going to not have the best dudes on their program. But, um, you know, it would be cool to see – uh you know the the skate brands especially on the footwear side i'd love to see another launch like another
0: another dvs
1: you know well yeah like something equivalent not necessarily like not not, dvs but like you know something like like a whole new set of brands get launched from like these like another generation of just core kids that are doing it right and like you know have it be a skater owned and operated skate footwear like scene that would be sick i would love to see that go down again
0: you know Because I mean, honestly, I mean, corporations take took over the industry and, kind of, my opinion, kind of ruined it in a way a little bit. But some people are going to argue about it that it didn't, you know. But I mean, but also too, I mean, it has to be a change, you know. I mean, we have to give skate money back into the skateboarding. You know what I mean? Skateboarders have to make the money off of skate brands, and skate brands have to come back and and keep it going, you know. Because I mean, corporations are not going to keep skateboarding going forever, you know.
1: Well, I'll give you a good example. Like when I was uh DVS was still really strong and Lakai was, you know, under the umbrella, I mean, podium as a whole, cause they own Maddox as well. And I was killing it, dude. I was making dumb money when I was young, you know, and I was, and it was a fun time and it was just, yeah, it's just like, how can I, how can we literally be like this? Like we're just partying and having fun with all our best friends and like, we're making tons of money. And it was just like, it was such a fun time, but like, You know the reality is um, that was a generational thing, and and it'll come back around to some at some point. You know who knows when, but you're right. I do feel like, uh, but I will say this: like when Nike launched SB, Kevin, who I I grew up in a uh, up in in California with, and uh, first vert ramp I ever dropped in, and actually in his parents. Yard in and Inglewood. Yeah, his his name's Kevin Emamora. Im- he was he's definitely one of the the head dudes from Nike S B. He was like a pretty much a the the guy who really helped launch the whole S B division. And mm-hmm. uh you know, he, he brought it to my attention. Um, you know, like we know we got a we got an uphill kind of battle to do. Um to, to get ourselves legitimized here, but you know, they, they had decided to make a full commitment and they were like, we're going to, we're making a commitment for, you know, at least 10 years, we're going to be committed. And which was the smartest thing they could have done because like you were saying earlier, um, what that did, what it did was it resonated with these kids that were, you know, teeny boppers or they were just young young kids get just getting into skateboarding mm-hmm. and nike was there when they started and so 10 years later they they look at nike as a legitimate you know skateboard brand they yeah. think of it as it's always been in it's for them it's always been around in skateboarding for us because we're older and we know that it wasn't prior you know to that uh, it doesn't resonate with us like it does with those kids, but that was their game plan and they, they, uh, executed it and, and it worked. And I mean, you know, now there's, you know, it's like, there's, you know, 15 years worth of kids that skateboard that, that that's their go-to brand, you know what I mean? Because they've always looked at it as like, that's the skate brand that they've grown up on. So again, you know, as much as, it's not my cup of tea, but I you know, from a business aspect, you can't do anything but you know kind of shake your head and you know and go, yeah, I mean, they did what they needed to do. Yep. they they set a they set a game plan in motion, and they stuck by it and and they were able to they were able to to execute. And from a business aspect, you know, I give them props. Like, you know, it's funny. My friend's like, do you have any Nikes? My buddy the other day was like, do you own any Nikes? And I was like, yeah, I got some Nike running shoes. (laughs) I'm like, but they're like, to me, Nikes are running brand. It's a running company. It's not a skate brand to me. It's a running company. So like, if I, if I go and put my Nike running shoes on, I feel, I feel authentic as fuck because I'm like, they're Nike. Nike's a running shoe. Like this, I got running shoes from Nike. They're on point. (laughs) You know, if I put Nike SVs on, I wouldn't feel so much like I would feel like I was definitely not authentic, but there's a whole generation, a couple probably at this point that, that, that they throw the Nike skate shoes on and they feel like that's, that's authentic for them. Yeah. And, and,
0: uh, and do you think skate comp skate shops are 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 going to be a dying breed in the future, or you think they're stronger?
1: Man, I don't know. With all the COVID and all this crap going on right now, I think I'll be honest. And I hate I hate it because I make a living from selling products to retailers. So, but I think it's just it just seems like it continually gets more and more difficult for brick and mortar retailers, um, you know. And I hate to think that way. And I hope there's some sort of resurgence or just, you know, because I don't like seeing um, whether they be friends or just yeah, you know, I don't like seeing businesses go out of go out down no matter what, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. It's a tough question. I don't uh, I don't want to. Pretend I know more than I do because <laughs> I mean I'm just on, I'm right, just
0: uh, leghorn, dude. you know everything
1: I but dude I'm just I uh, yeah well I, I'm not I will say I'm not omnipotent I don't know everything but I well maybe when it comes to girls I'm a little more
0: omnipotent there we go, <laughs>
1: there <you> go. <laughs> is there any retail stores that, that no. <laughs> just, just cater to me and girls that sounds great G- but girl, yeah the uh, girls and RDK dude. Yeah. And Rod All Kings. But yeah, the, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I hope, I really, really hope that brick and mortar, um, can somehow diversify itself and, and continue to, to, to have a place. Um, because the shopping experience is, you know, it, it, it's important. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's fun. It's like one of those things, it's an experience, you know, and I think skate shops, Maybe they need a little bit more of that eighty shit that I was talking about. Maybe they need to. I'm not saying flick cigarettes at p- parents and shit like that, but like <laughs> maybe there's a way to maybe there's a way to like create like a, a you know maybe a more entertaining factor to it where it's not so where it's got a little bit more of that core vibe that it used to have versus just being complacent and 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 catering and like you know, oh, here we go. Like, Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you're a skate shop, man. You don't gotta act like that. No, no, you no, know. No. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm not rooting for anyone's demise. I hated, you know, there was a big, there was a lot of controversy and, and it went down right during the recession. Um, and that just happened to coincide with, you know, the big push from Nike and stuff like that. And they were, um, you know, there was a, they were flooding stores with inventory mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they had the quick strike, you know, which was like the sneakerhead stuff, which didn't really cater to skaters. I mean, it just, it was, it brought a different uh, client mm-hmm. to the skate shops because they were the only ones that were able to carry it, you know, so they get these quick strikes, I don't know if it was quarterly or bi weekly or whatever. And they would make a ton of money and they'd sell out of them before the doors open. People were like camping out like bums in the front yeah, yard. Yeah, yeah, I know about that. And like, yeah, you remember that. So, yeah, like, but the that. problem was they had all these other, like, you had to commit to, I think, like basically the entire SB line to actually get qualified to get those quick strike shoes. Uh-huh. So, like, what was happening was they were getting like a couple of styles maybe four styles a month. I don't even know what the number was, but they would murder it. They'd kill it. You know, it make fucking like five, six grand in an hour or two hours or whatever. And, but it was like, it was like an illusion. It was like a hat trick, you know, it was kind of like a magician's hat trick, you know, because you had all these other styles on your wall that you were committed to and you were getting invoiced for. And, like does and whatever i don't know they had a bunch of shit that was just fluff and fold styles and they weren't selling you know they were like trickling at best yeah and so you know they were selling these retailers on the idea that they were going to make all this money off these quick strike shoes which they did but then they were losing their ass on all the other shit so it kind of like and then you know where some of the skate style like skate brands we would always come back and go hey this these stuff you know this stuff didn't work out for you. We'll give you markdown dollars. We'll give you we'll swap product. We'll take stuff back. We'll give you extra dating, and like if you were hiccuping on your Nike invoice, the only thing they were giving you was their attorney's phone number, and they were gonna fucking bury you. Yeah. So you know there was a lot of uh, I saw a lot of shops go down, and the timing was kind of you uh, you know um, accommodating to what was going on at the time. As far as I feel like it masked a lot of. The fact that you know they, these accounts were getting buried in product, and they couldn't, they couldn't pull their head out of the sand. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. And and it, you know, the fact that it just happened to coincide with like the whole uh, recession debacle and all that, like it was convenient from from in my perspective, you yeah, know, in my opinion, to enabling those guys to, you know, I always had this perspective that they were either going to take over the whole wall or they were going to bury the company that had skate shoes in it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then there wasn't, there wasn't a store that had the skate shoes in it anymore because Mm -hmm. they're out of business now. And they're done, you know? Yeah. So one less, one less store carrying your competition, one less store carrying that uh, extra billion plus that you were missing before kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, that's me. That could be. You could look at it. You know, I don't know, I'm sure certain people look at it and, and have an argument. Yeah, and you know, maybe I think I'm having some sort of conspiracy theory, <laughs> which is fine. I'm cool with that. Like but, I did. I, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm not a. You're gonna have your YouTube Langhorn conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I could make money doing that shit, I'd do it. Oh, that'd yeah, be yeah. A fun, <laughs> I, That'd be a fun way to make money, just doing that all day. It's a lot better than driving driving around all day trying to slang skate shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um,
0: and then you, and then also too, you you have a good story. You went on tour with Mike Moe, didn't you? Like a long time ago when you first came on.
1: Oh, uh, oh, we were talking about that the other day. Yeah, the gambling story. Yeah. Well, no, all right. So that was right after Fully Flared dropped, and I think Mike Moe... So Gavin, we were all staying at the Hard Rock in Tampa and I think we did a demo or maybe it was just like a video premiere or something. Mm-hmm. And Mike was there. I don't know if it was during the pro or during the AM. I don't know what it was. Mike was one of the guys that was there. There was like, you know, I mean, the whole podium roster, there was a bunch of people. But uh, yeah, Mike was. Um, and that dude, I fucking love that dude. We were. um we were at the hard rock and he was like, I want to say he was maybe 19. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you look at all Mike Moe, he's got like, he's like me kind of like, he's got like that. He could shave every single day if he, if you know, because by five o'clock he's got that afternoon, like that fucking five o'clock shadow shit. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like he just had like, and he's got the bushy eyebrows, you know, whatever. And so we went, it was me, Gavin and Mike, and we went and sat down at a, a blackjack table. Um, at the hard rock and we were all playing and Gavin and I, I think we're getting our asses handed to us and Mike's just fucking killing it. And they didn't even there ID. No. him. Yeah. They didn't even ID him because he just looked like a man child, you know? <laughs> and it was so sick because he was just killing it. And I was like, motherfucker, this dude's not even old enough to gamble. He's fucking winning and I'm losing my ass right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you getting a little jealous or were you like
1: kind of- oh dude i was fucking i was a little bent up i was like God <laughs> me dude but you know i mean i wasn't i mean i'm not a hater i was stoked he was winning but i was you know but obviously when you're losing and you know you, you're still like damn it fuck i want to fucking be winning too um but yeah it was really funny because mike um he came up that night. He, I don't even remember how much he won, but he won a lot of money. Like he was fucking it up. And so anyway, at one point I think Gavin just got pissed and fucking bailed. Cause he was just like losing. I don't know what Gavin went to his room or something and Mike and I stuck around. And then, you know, at one point I was like, I can't keep playing, dude. I've lost my ass. And he's just like, all right, let's go. And he's like, all right, Langhorn, you got to help me out. <laughs> he's like, you gotta, he's like, you gotta cash in my chips. And so like, I'm still, we're like doing all the shit under the table, like, <laughs> 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 and then I go up to the, uh, to the, you know, he stays back and like, I go up and I cash all his chips in for him and they give me the cash. And then we went back to the, uh, we went back or we got in the, um, elevator and we're in the elevator going up and I was like, reaching in my pocket. And he's like, no, 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 Langhorn, don't, don't know. He's like, there's cameras all over these elevators. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to literally like go all the way. So we got to his, I was on a different floor than him, but I went to his room and like, I, w- once we got in the room was when he actually let me hand him all the cash. He fucking <laughs> and then I, and then I was like, all right, I gotta go. But it was really funny. Cause like, we still have that, uh, like to this day. And I mean, this was forever ago. dude. Yeah. And like to this day, like if I'm in going towards, if I'm like, if I even see a casino, like I'll take a picture of it and send it to Mike, or he'll send me one if he's if he's gambling. And uh, it's just it's funny, dude. It's so that's classic. A, that's dude. fucking hilarious. Again, like yeah, it's fucking rad. I sent him a picture. Well, actually, he sent me some sunglasses a couple of weeks ago, and he because he was checking his packaging out, and uh, he has some new. I don't know if it's a new manufacturer or something, but they were it was new packaging and he just wanted to send it to someone that, you know, could take pictures of it. That was not like their warehouse or, you know what I mean? So yeah. they could get an outside perspective, but man, I'll tell you right now, dude, if there's one, you know, another company who, uh, support in skateboarding, obviously glassy has a, a big following, but again, like going back to authenticity, the fact that Mike, you know, and his brother, you know, that's their baby and and they're seeing success. But again, you know, those are the type of things where if people ask me, I'm just like, fucking A, man. Like, get behind shit like that. Like, you know, yeah. support those type of things. Because, you know, support brands like, you know, um, th- you know like Tori and Daywon and like, you know, all of us. Like, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. I... I would much rather be putting money into those guys' pockets than some dude that ran around a track in the 70s with a pole vault and short shorts.
0: <laughs> exactly. Agreed. Skate their own, man. <laughs> that's, what, that's
1: what people got to support, is skate their own brands, you know? Well, the thing is, I think there's just a generational gap where like, a lot of these kids, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know at all. They're not, uh, you know, we have a perspective being from the industry side of it, so we do know. We're in the know. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to help educate these kids to, you know, to what brands are or are not, you know, I mean, there is a, I feel like there's an obligation from my side and from everybody else. that's, you know, that believes in that because the thing about it is going through what we went through that golden era. When you see a, over bill like over a an annual billion dollars in footwear sales from skater owned and operated brands, mm-hmm. it just goes to show, you don't have to be a pro skateboarder. You, you can be, a professional you can be a business person as a skateboarder and you can be successful and there's so many different perspectives that we can take away from our roots and our background that exceed being a pro you know what i mean it's like even bigger you know than that yeah and if you think about it you know you think about the brands that are paying the pros you know, I, I know what Podium was doing back in the day, and there's no pro skateboarder on the planet that makes that much money. So, you know what I mean? The business aspect is is so much greater than what the the athlete it can do. So, it's, you know, again, that's why it needs to be in the hands of skateboarders. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah, like, the skateboarders 100%. skateboarders should be getting checks cut to them from other skateboarders, mm-hmm. period.
0: Yep. I, I honestly agree with you on that, man. I mean, it's, we just got to take care of them. You know, skaters got to look after skaters, you know? Yeah. Definitely does. Well, Langhorn, man, thanks for coming on, dude. You definitely, you know, touched a lot of things that, you know, that a lot of people need to know about. And, you know, and like, definitely do, man. Like, and one last question. what do you, What's going on with Langhorn nowadays, man? What's new with you? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what's new with Langhorn, dude? Everybody wants to know what's new with you, man. Other than fishing, oh man we, I'm doing we, good. We love your fishing pictures. We know you go fishing a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been uh I've been fishing a lot just uh I mean I've still been skating there's this actually today it's just so hot right now. You know, you're you're yeah. here you're back in Florida so it's so freaking hot. It's ha- it's hardcore but there's this bump I found the other day in my neighborhood that I'm just ate up on wanting to go get. I need to get like I got to get something to fill this crack because it's like there's a little crack in front of it. But man, I've got like, I, I, I'm going to, my son's going to film, dude. I'm going to go out there and get, <laughs> I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some new school Langhorn fucking skateboarding uh, uh, are you gonna, shit. Are you but gonna, yeah.
0: Are you going to wear this sum, a samurai suit?
1: Oh my gosh. I should. Dude, I'd I'm have to put boring. a bunch of pillows in it because I'll probably eat shit and fucking, that thing's just full of air. So if you eat shit in that, you're going to get hurt. But if I put pillows in it, maybe.
0: Dude, that but yeah, that hilarious. samurai
1: It's funny. No, for me, like right now, gosh, dude, I'm single, which is, you know me in single world. That is <laughs> shit, dude. You, dude. Think you think Nigel's got tricks, dude. I got bigger trick selection than anybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you hear that, girls, man. They hit up Langhorn. man. Go find him. He's single in the
1: world, man. Watch out. <laughs> uh, nah, it's been fun. I'm having a good time, dude. I'm living it up. This is you know, I'll have to tell all the kids out there, don't think when you get into your 40s, shit's fucking still popping off. That's nah, for sure.
0: I'll tell you that, I'm 45 and that shit's still popping off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got a year on you. I'm 46. but Yeah,
0: yeah you definitely yeah. do. Well, well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it, man. You, you did a really good job. And, and, you know, you talked a lot about the industry and, and put a lot of point, your point views and stuff like that and everything. And I just want to let the viewers know, this Sunday, um, 11... 11 a.m. Pacific time, we're going to be doing a True Skateboard Mag live show, uh, season three, episode four. We got a good um, lineup. Um, Definitely, it'll be exclusively on E360 TV. Just download the app, uh, Apple TV, Roku, um, Amazon Fire Stick, Chromecast, all that good stuff. Check it out. That's going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Definitely don't want to miss that. It's going to be a good lineup, and also too, there'll be a exclusive music video from Ron Allen to playing. So, yeah, definitely, sick. Yeah. yes, definitely, dude. Or Langhorn, thanks for coming on, dude. And yeah, thanks, Tommy. I appreciate it, man. I have to come out to San Augustine and uh, and mix it up out there with you, man
1: yeah dude if i come your way we're definitely gonna connect without a doubt oh, i appreciate yeah. you having me man i'm fucking good talking to you and uh i hope everybody out there has a good night and fucking get on your skateboard as soon as you can and, and make sure make sure you uh rdk now yeah that's uh that's <laughs> for the brave that's not for the weak-hearted right there rod on <laughs> kings is it's a, it's a unique gang we're kind of if you think you're thug you're not as thug as raw dog kings i can promise you right now hey you
0: should should make a brand of that dude that would be so
1: funny (laughs) oh god i'll just have like a bunch of broken condoms on the shirt it'll all over print with a bunch of broken condoms like pre-poked holes in those things dude people
0: will rock that i'm telling you man
1: well the idea is listen if there's people listening to this podcast right now You can poke holes in the condom and just make sure she's rich. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. I love you, man. All right, Tommy. Have a good night, dude. Thank you. I'll I'll see you, bud.
0: Later.